Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At More To Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More To Be, host of the More To Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On this episode, I'm joined again by my dear friend, Kaylee. Hi, Kaylee. Hi. I can't believe we're at the end of season three. I know. I know. This is... I'm sitting here going like, how did we like get through the year already? I know. And we start, you reminded me yesterday where we started the year, which was mm-hmm. in Proverbs 31. And we had great plans for the whole season. <laughs> so it's been an interesting unfolding. Yeah, but I think we have, you know, the episodes and the things that we've talked about. It really is. I was thinking back on it. I mean, it all falls under this umbrella because the Proverbs 31 woman, I feel like as we unpacked it, mm-hmm. um, there was so many aspects of just, and we kind of came back to, right, that she was, she was this godly woman who was centered on godly principles and, and being the woman that God designed her to be and, and embracing all of life that life had to offer. And I think all of the things that we've talked about this season fall under that umbrella because, you know, like our anxiety episode, I mean, Mm -hmm. God doesn't want us to live in a state of anxiety Mm -hmm. and worry. Um, And so as we battle that and we, we tackle that issue, it brings us back to them that we're we're becoming this woman that he wants us to be like living fully. And today we're going to talk about like beloved be free, this idea of being able to live fully into that notion that God loves us and that we're free to be who he's created us to be. Right. Right. It's the, it's the overflow. I just had the opportunity last night. um, There's a local church that had me come speak back a year ago, September, mm-hmm. uh, on, and it, it wasn't even on mentoring that I spoke about, but they picked up my mentoring book impact together and they have decided that they want to launch a mentoring ministry at their church. So they invited me to come meet with their group of women who are reading through the book together. And I got to sit around a dining room table with 15 women. I mean, I could not believe That's so cool. 15 women who have been reading impact together and they just wanted to like pick my brain apart on how to do this. And, Mm -hmm. and one of the, um, you know, overarching themes was that, okay, if you 15 go invite one person each to join you and what you're learning and what you want to live out, you've already doubled your impact. Like that's just one person, each of you, just one person. And I think very much like how we're, we're moving through this particular season with that focus of like, who, how are we living mm-hmm. um, is going to impact how we are relating to those that we're mothering or those that we're in friendship with or those that we're mentoring. It's just, it's just going to all kind of come together in one, one, uh, what's the word? Like, I just see a circle, like a u- mm-hmm. unity within the body if we're taking care of our stuff. And so that's actually probably where, where we're going to end up in this conversation today again, right? right? Taking care of our stuff. So, well, and then it, it does though, then it multiplies. Like as you're, as you're saying, like a circle, I'm seeing though, um, throwing a stone into water and the ripple effect. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it just multiplies then, like you said, if these 15 women take on one woman to mentor or young girl 
that's 15 more. And then you hope, and this is the whole idea of discipleship and what Jesus laid out for his disciples for the 12 is that then those individuals catch the vision and see the importance and they start to mentor and then it just keeps flowing. And I think, I mean, I think that's what God ultimately designed for his church is this vision of, of multiplication through relationships, one-on-one relationships mm-hmm. um, that just yeah. help us to grow. I absolutely, I mean, we know it in the word because it, mm-hmm. we can find the principles of discipleship, you know, at the, is at the end of Matthew, last chapter of Matthew, the great commandment, which is yeah. go and make disciples of all nations. And so then it comes down to the practical, like, how do we do that? And we, mm-hmm. we talk about the mentoring piece and the, the paracaleo relationships that side by side doing life together. Uh, And I feel like God has expanded my understanding of that through the lens of love, which is where this Mm -hmm. kind of expression beloved has has become my word. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition to chosen, holy and dearly loved, the dearly loved is live as God's beloved, be loved by God and be his love in this world. And interestingly enough, it was, this message was really ripening in my heart back when I spoke at that church um, a year, you know, almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so what I would love for us to do is I want to look at first John four and chances are we've been in this passage before on the podcast. I don't keep a spreadsheet of what we've already right. studied. So if, if this is a repeat, that means that there's more than one of us that needs to spend time in this passage. And I also want to look at Romans eight uh, and kind of, look at these pillars. I've often talked about the pillars of joy and suffering, but also the pillars of love and freedom Mm -hmm. and how they go hand in hand that, that the freedom from sin, the freedom from the burdens of this world come through the love that God offers us. Mm -hmm. Um, So would you go ahead and pick up with reading first John four, picking up with verse seven And go right through verse uh, 17. Okay. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen that with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Mm. So good. There's so much. There's so much. What strikes you? Um, 
Well, like he's echoing John three sixteen, you know, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. famous passage about that God sent his only son and he's just kind of expounding on it. And I feel like too, he uses the word love and live like over and over just driving home this point, you know, it, you, you have John three sixteen. Okay. So God loved the world. He sent his son to die for us. We have eternal life. And yet John keeps like going over that principle mm-hmm. in just a little different wording throughout these 10 verses that we just read. And I think to me that it's because we need this reminder. Yeah. Like we hear it and we say, yeah, God loves us and he died for my sins and mm-hmm. I have eternal life if I accept him. Yeah. And yet how often do we live in a different way and we don't fully embrace or or the fact that the King of the universe loves me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We, we don't. um, And what strikes me, the reason this passage has become so powerful to me is this one expression No one has ever seen God, but if we love each Mm -hmm. other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And as a child of abuse and dysfunction, Mm -hmm. it has taken me 25 years of walking with the Lord as an adult to understand God's love for me by choosing not to look at it through the lens of what I experienced as a child. And I look at my children who sometimes struggle to understand God's love. And I'm like, yeah, but you have two parents that love you. You have not been raised in the dysfunctional abusive home that I was raised in. So what the heck, (laughs) you know? Right. And, and, And what the heck is that it only takes one encounter with one person who is not loving and kind to you to make you question whether or not you're lovable. That's so profound because I I think we do, you know, a lot of times we'll go to the idea of somebody who's had a rough background or or experienced abuse or just lived in horrible situations. And it's like, oh, well, you know, that's understandable that they have so much baggage, but like, let's be honest. It doesn't matter. Everybody has baggage. You can come from a loving Christian grew up in the church to family home. And there's going to be at some point in time in your life, still this baggage and this question of, am I loved? Am I lovable? Yes. Yeah. Statistically you are spot on because I just, um, I just read, read this yesterday. Uh, by the time a person turns 18, one mm-hmm. out of three has experienced some sort of trauma that mm-hmm. would uh, cause their uh, f- healthy functionality to be impacted. Mm-hmm. One out of three people by the age of 18. That's but the problem scary. is we don't, you know, we think trauma, like um, anything that would be classified as PTSD trauma as like right. a war or abuse. But the death of a loved one, uh, a a car accident, parents' divorce, a change in um, their health, you know, significant illness, a relocation across the country, like something that caused the person to feel an an alarm, a great sense of alarm and terror that like, oh my word, I didn't see that coming. And now I'm scared of what's next, right? And so- 
all of us have been through stuff like some sort of, of pain or junk. And it's those times of suffering and it's the times of betrayal that cause us to question God's love for us and his provision, because we're looking at it through this human lens rather than the God lens. And, you know, I've done some uh, Greek word studies on this particular passage because, you know, like you said, uh, John uses the word love. Like, uh, I don't even know how many times I probably should you know, have count, but a ton. And we know that love in the original language has multiple meetings. Whereas right. love in our language has like, we have, we love target and we love, you know, ice cream and we love chocolate and we love our husband and we love our dog. Yeah. Like all the, like, <laughs> how yeah. could all those loves be the same? And so, I'm sure that many of our listeners know this, that there, there are actually four different types of loves in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, Eros, which is romantic love. Storge, which is a familia love or family love, love within a family unit. Phileo, which is brotherly love. Um, and then agape, which is God's divine love. Mm-hmm. And actually in this passage, there are two different words used uh, agape which with the e at the end of it and then gapo with an o at the end of it and agapo is uh love so dear friends god loved which is agapo us that much that we sure surely ought to love agape each other so mm-hmm. what does it mean if i say kaylee god is unwilling to abandon you or do without you in his world in his life, in his heart. It's such a, a beautiful, I mean, I'm at a loss for words for it, honestly. And yet, like, as I'm sitting here hearing that, as you were talking before, all it takes though is it, it doesn't have to be, yes, the abuse, it's a betrayal. Like I was thinking I had a friend betray me and immediately though, I went yeah. to thinking like, what's this friend said to my other friends? What, because somebody had come to me and said, well, she was saying this about you. And so then I'm immediately going to the fact of like, well, who else is going to turn their back on me? Like, am I going to have other people in my friend group believe what she's saying? Yeah. And, and so there was an immediate response of, of fear and, and, what's going to happen and who's going to abandon me. Yeah. Yep. And so like ah, the devil, like it's, it's this constant then just pushing us in whatever way possible. Yes. Yes. To take and discount the fact that we are loved and that yeah. God won't abandon that. He wants us, that he desires us, that yeah. he has a plan for us and it's good things. Um, we've talked about that too. And, and then it comes down to this aspect of faith and trust because there Mm. are going to be the bad things that are going to happen. We are going to have the betrayals. We're going to have the illness, the Mm. the accidents, the broken bones, whatever. But when those things happen, what do we do? Do we run, run away or go like, what's, what's next? What's around the corner? I'm scared to walk out of side of my house. Or do we come back to this foundation of love and trust that he's walking with us? Yes. And, and that it's going to be okay. I know. 
All right. So I'm going to get all heady here for a second because you know all I'm right. taking this course and I, I, I'm going to make it public now. By the time this airs, I will have been through my certification, Lord willing, or the, the first part of it. I am, I'm taking a trauma-informed inf- or trauma-focused uh, equine-assisted therapy training. So ultimately people are like, what in the world is that? So trauma, <laughs> trauma-focused is that understanding how trauma impacts a person. Mm-hmm. And then the equine assisted therapy part of it is using horses in the rehabilitation process in the therapy portion. So rather mm-hmm. than just taking that person who has uh, suffered from trauma and putting them in a counseling office and using, right. um, you know, cognitive behavior therapy to bring right. about healing, it's putting them with a horse in a round pen situation and having them in this very instructional, purposeful way, interact with the horse as part of the, their therapy. That's and great. it's so cool. I'm so, so this is like a life dream for me that I'm getting to go through this training. And I am eating up all of the, um, the science of the brain mm-hmm. that I'm learning. Because really, it, I, have, I have eight hours of online training before I go for mm-hmm. this two-day intensive. Uh, and 90% of the eight hours of the online training thus far or I guess seven hours of training thus far has been um, all about brain development. And so people are like, well, when do you do work with the horses? So here's the deal. Um, When we live in a rhythmic environment, which is predictable. So like that's rhythmic. Um, It's a patterned, it's predictable, it's calm. Uh, Our brain functions to its fullest capacity. Right. Uh, it, that makes when, sense. <laughs> right, right. That's good. But when we live in an arrhythmic environment, which is like, and if I, if you were trying to clap with me, you would either shut down and be like, I, I'm not, I'm not even trying that, which is called disassociation, or you would become hyper vigilant of trying to get ahead of it. And mm-hmm. so under stress, um, we respond from our survival level in our brain. So I was telling you this before, if, if you guys can imagine uh, me holding up my hand from my elbow pointing up and my, my hand is uh, in a, a fist. So the bottom of the fist is your brainstem. And then the thumb that's crossed over my palm is your limbic system. Mm-hmm. And then your neocortex is the top part of your brain and that's folded over. And so all of that functionality needs to happen so that when you are in like, oh no, something bad's happening, your neocortex can also respond and say, no, 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 that's okay. Right. And, and the reality is that under stress, what happens is we only function from the limbic system and that's our fight, flight, or freeze mode rather mm-hmm. than the neocortex, which is it's okay. And one of the clear examples that they gave was that if you, uh, a plastic grocery bag goes flying past a horse and the horse like panics, right? They're like, blah, it's a plastic bag. Right. But if you work with that horse uh, to teach them that bag's not going to hurt them, basically what that's doing is engaging the neocortex and helping them understand, oh, that's a bag, panic. Wait, I don't have to panic. It's just a bag. And you have a right. different reaction to it. And so uh, part of of healing if from if you have any complex trauma or lifelong trauma or any mm-hmm. um, really significant moment that makes you now scared next time 
a trigger occurs that reminds you of that experience, uh, the the brain wants to only function in the lower half of that fight mm-hmm. flight freeze mode, and you can't, you you shut down. You actually don't use your upper half of your brain, and you make bad choices, right? Right. right. Um, and so the goal is to bring about healing so that you can use your whole brain. Well, I say all of this because that betrayal that you were talking about earlier, um, that, that was a wound. And now there's a hypervigilance potentially. Mm-hmm. If somebody says something or looks at you the wrong way, you're like, oh no, is this happening again? And, oh, and I've had that happen. Like, Oh yeah, right? And you know, totally. you wouldn't put this like on the big scale of like need to go to counseling over this. Right. But we don't necessarily have the, the knowledge or the skills as everyday people to realize what's actually happening and that we ha- have the opportunity to do something about it. And yet God tells us exactly what to do about it, which is to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I am so in awe at the fact that the word of God tells us what we should do even if we don't understand why. And what I'm learning about brain development explains to me the why, which is how I'm wired. I always want to know the why. Okay. And, and then doubles up the importance of everything we've been talking about the right. whole season, if not since the beginning of my teaching and writing. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Well, and I was even Philippians four, you know, we often, kind of quote little sections of that and yet I, w- I was reading it and it was like where this all goes together because you know we usually it's like they'll always be full of joy and rejoice mm-hmm. or then we say don't worry pray about everything or then we go down to verse eight which is fix your thoughts on what is pure and yeah. true and right and yet as I was reading it the other day I was like this all fit like you can't separate it no it is- all together because if I am fixing my thoughts on what is true, then I'm going to be able to combat the fact that I don't need to worry about this. God says this and this about me. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are reacting out of their woundings or whatever, and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. That's going to take care of things. Um, it, there's the prayer aspect of like that constant then connection of God, this hurts, but your truth says this or yeah. It just all fits together, which allows us to always rejoice, to be full of joy, yes. to look at things from God's perspective, to focus on the blessings. Like it just all goes together. It does. It does. And uh, I'm probably going to script the statistic, but it's um, when you feel stress, your body re- is supposed to, God designed your body to respond immediately under stress. Like if right. there was a, a lion coming at you through the, the glass door, your body needs to respond to that. You'd be like, oh my right. word, I got to react, right? right. It's, you're in a reaction mode. And that, I believe the number is 10 one hundredth of a second is how fast okay. your body could respond to the threat of harm. It takes... Uh, Actually, it's, I think it's 12 one-hundredths of a second. It's 22 one-hundredths of a second to move from that lower brain function of fight, flight, or, or freeze into the upper brain function, which is, wait a minute, what's the smart thing to do right now? Right. Let's assess the situation. Let's assess the situation and make a wise decision. So if it's truly a threat, like a, you know, a car is coming at me, swerve, get out of the way. Right. 
You don't need to use cognitive reasoning skills. You just need to swerve and get out of the way. But when we're in situations of emotional stress with people, we do have the freedom and the opportunity to say, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, stop the reaction here. Mm -hmm. What's really happening? And, And that really happening could be, this is reminding me of a previous wound or pain or, right. or difficult situation. It could be this is tapping into some insecurity or, or issue for me. This could be I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, <laughs> right? I'm hangry. I'm hangry. It could be all sorts of things. But if we can condition ourselves to say, oh, my word, why am I reacting? Mm-hmm. What's actually really going on? And, and push ourselves to move into that cognitive reasoning ability, I think that there would be two awesome outcomes. First off, we would be in a much more state, often state of calm. Right. We would, we would physiologically reduce our stress, which would be better for our bodies because we're not meant to live in a constant state of stress. Um, so that, that would be awesome for our personal health benefits. Two, it is going to make a huge impact on our relationships, mm-hmm. all of them, home, work, ministry, everywhere we go. Well, and I feel like when you say make an impact on the relationships, I feel like that's, it's coming back to this being able yes. to love other people yes. because on our own, like yes. we want to react to what somebody said that was yes. negative and yes. the time what we want to spout back at them because it's like, don't talk to me that way. Yes. And because that's the reaction, that's the stress of like, why are they, why are they dissing on me? Or Sorry, I'm probably using teenage language because I'm around <laughs> them all the time. Um, no, 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 it works. I understand dissing. <laughs> well, anyone, you know, the throwing shade. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so then we're reacting out of that aspect versus stepping back and taking the godly approach, the loving approach, and saying, "Okay, is this person having a bad day? How do I respond to this in yeah. a loving way? How do we work through this and compromise?" Versus um, just, you know, responding out of our stress. Yeah. Yeah. It's a both, it's a both and of, okay, Lord, what do you have to say to me right now about me? Because our words will either give life or death. I mean, I really do believe that. And that what are we playing in the tape of our mind Mm -hmm. is going to make an impact on our lives and those around us. And the fact of the matter that this is what I'm learning from this course is that a rhythmic environment, a, a calm, predictable environment increases cognitive ability and reasoning. So what do we do when you are like around people who don't get this though? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, right now I, I, I I, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to learn it and, and then not be frustrated with people who are not applying what they haven't learned. Right. You know, there's such this patience factor then, right? Because like we can't force other people to embrace this. No. And and we can't force them to live into this truth. No. Um, And yet then like, how do we still find the peace and calm for ourselves as we're trying to model it, hopefully teach it. Yeah. Um, but wait on the people in our lives to come to the same conclusion. I know. 
And, and here's the thing that the Lord really impressed on my heart last night. And as I was thinking about this and I was listening to a podcast and the, the preacher had uh, prayed over his congregation at the end and had me bawling. He, mm-hmm. he was praying that their families would have such a joy that people would ask them what drug they're taking because they wanted some. Mm. And as I was listening to him praying, it, it totally unrelated yet completely related was that mm-hmm. apart from the work of God, this, this science, this action that we're trying to take is, is kind of irrelevant. Like apart from yeah. the power of God, there's, to me, there's no point. And so I go to the Romans eight passage that the Lord has had me in. Um, let me see if I could find it. I've got so many sticky notes because I'm preparing to speak that I, <laughs> I'm like, oh, which one, <laughs> which page? I have so much underlined in this chapter too, though. <laughs> I know. So Romans eight, one says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That I know I don't usually just like read two verses and then, stop. I'm always like this huge, like context, context, Mm -hmm. but there's so much in these two verses. So there's no condemnation for us when we fail to take captive our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus when they fail to apply the principles that we're talking about. Yes. And um, there, when we belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit that has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death, that there, there is a war between the spirit and the flesh and and the enemy of God Mm -hmm. who wants to rule our flesh when the spirit of God has already claimed our flesh. And so to do any any to make any effort towards changing the way we communicate, changing the way we love, changing the way we think, without recognizing that it's by the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead at work in us that that is possible. In our own flesh, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I don't know. Your no, opinion. I completely agree. Um, and you know, and as you're reading from the power of sin, I like we can replace that word sin from the power of anger and anxiety and, and abuse and all these things that we've been talking about, like that can fit in there, which all of those will lead to death. Like they lead to the chaotic, I don't know what's going on in my life mentality as you've been talking about that, that matches like the science of the brain. Yeah. And, And yet we don't have to live into that. We don't have to, go down that road towards death because right. God has given us everything we need um, to accomplish yeah. like living life to the fullest. I mean, that, that's a piece of the verse, you know, that the, the enemy comes to seek and destroy and yet yeah. God has given us, he wants to have us live a life to the fullest and he's given us every good gift. I mean, I'm pulling from like all these verses. Yeah. That come to mind. Um, I know that was me last night when I was like talking this through with Stephen. And even um, if we pick up at verse five in chapter eight of Romans, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think, is that amazing? Think mm. about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy spirit think about things that please the spirit. 
Like, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Yes. I mean, that's all fitting together, but letting oh. the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Ah, I love how that adds right? in there, the peace. The peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey laws and it never will. That is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies in the same spirit living within you. I think sometimes, like, I don't know for you, you know, when we talk about sin, there's certain, like, I'm using air quotes, certain sins that come to mind. Yeah. And yet, like when reading this and when you think about simple things and everything we've been talking about, that goes back to just like our thought process and how skewed that gets because we live on this earth. Yes. Yes. And, and that that is sin. Like God does not have it designed for us to think in the ways we do of putting ourselves down or running in fear because we're not sure who's going to betray us next or we can go down that, that road. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those are just as detrimental as what we would call the big sins of adultery or yeah. addictions of substance addictions and things like that, that I feel like a lot of times we want to focus on, you know, and we talk to our kids like, well, don't go down that path or, you know, make sure yeah. you save yourselves for marriage. And, 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 and we label those as the big sins to avoid. Right. And yet, how often though is just them thinking negatively about themselves or them responding out of anger to a classmate. Um, yep. That is a, a negative thought process and something that is not of God and still will lead to death because yes. of the nature that will then control us and how we're thinking versus giving it to God and being able to change that way of thinking and respond in a calm way to those around us and dealing with situations in a way that is, is of God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It, it's, it's pretty amazing because even as you were talking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, when we, when we turn our situations on ourselves and, mm -hmm. and feel like when we become woe is me about ourselves or when we feel right. less than, or we put ourselves down. I mean, in some regard, that's a little bit, is it a risk to say that's, that's crossing into the area of idolatry like where we're putting ourselves on the throne. I mean, I can in, see that. Instead of remembering who we are because of mm -hmm. what, what Christ has already done. And so I think that you're right in that we have to recognize all sin mm -hmm. as, as that your mind, you know, to go back this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. I mean, that that's just fascinating when you really when you really want to just camp out there for a second those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things what would paul say are sinful things that we're thinking about i mean i think like you're saying typically we'd say well you know i'm thinking about sex or i'm thinking about greed or i'm thinking about robbing a bank or something like right. that's this blatant like 10 commandment break right but mm -hmm. Is it, is it a sinful thing to 
think about, I'm, I'm just never going to be good enough. Right. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it is, and I'm not saying it isn't, but I am saying that, that I, what I'm learning is that what we think matters, how we use our brain matters. And that under stress, our brain has the propensity Mm -hmm. to not move into cognitive reasoning ability. And we have to, as God tells us, engage the brain, I believe, by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, please help me. God, please help me. God, please help me. Please do this in me. Mm -hmm. Well, and regardless of whether that's, you know, that thought of I'm not good enough or, or what was me is a sin or not a sin, the fact of the matter is, is that that thought isn't of God. Like yeah. he would never say that you're not good enough because when we look again at that first John four passage and the different definitions of love, like nothing in that aligns yeah. to that thought process of that. I'm not enough. Yeah. Um, so then that goes back to, all right, so how are we changing that way of thinking versus letting that be what controls us? Right. Right. It's a lot to sit on, you know, and it's been, it's been a lot to take in because as a mom, as a woman, as a wife, uh, I'm looking back over my life and realizing how many places and moments I have not brought rhythmic to my environment or I've brought chaos yeah. Because I've been operating from a place of chaos and right. the, the impact that that is. And, and then I, I'm so glad that the Lord had already prepared me with remembering that there's no condemnation for those yep. who belong to Christ Jesus. Right. So I'm, I'm living in a very tender place. Abby said to me the other day, she goes, mom, you just look tired inside and out. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, this is heavy. Like, yeah. Learning, learning about the implications of abuse. It's, it's heavy. Um, and one, of, one of the pieces of the puzzle was that your brain is, um, God, God made us such that we have enough neurons by birth, uh, to, to be sufficient for the rest of our lives. Like all the neurons that we need in our mind, in our neurological development are there with us at birth. Mm-hmm. And what happens from birth to 24 months is the pathways begin to connect. Uh, and so, and they start to form. And by 24 months, the picture, it looks like uh, somebody has taken a, a ink pen and scribbled like mad all over the page. I mean, okay. it's completely a hot mess at 24 months, which I just laugh at. And they, they conveyed in teaching, you know, 24 month year olds, two year olds are really hard to parent. They're, they're the terrible twos, right? But it's because their pathways have not been organized yet. By mm-hmm. six years, those pathways have been organized. Mm-hmm. And the, the brain map looks entirely different. And so, you know, I'm looking at all this and I've been teaching in the life coach training course for the last seven years that, uh, we learn enough bad information by age six to impact us for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And now I have a visual in front of me. Yeah. Because that brain development happens when it has been given a predictable, organized pattern and rhythmic environment. 
Mm -hmm. But when there is stress in those first six years of life, when there's trauma, when there's yelling, neglect, abuse, um, you know, 9-11, car accidents, that disrupts the process of the brain becoming organized and impacts cognitive ability. Right? First six years. Yeah. Now, by God's grace. I know. He heals the brain. He heals our hearts and he, he can do things that we don't understand. But as a mama and as a woman, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, holy crow, that explains so much about my life because of the trauma that I endured in the first six years. Mm-hmm. And it explains so much about why my older girls have a different set of struggles and a different experience in life than my younger daughters, you know, my younger son and daughter do. Yeah. And in a conversation with Abby and Caitlin yesterday, Abby said, you know, I was, I, I was pointing out some pieces of the puzzle and, and taking ownership for my part in it and, right. and just telling her how much I love her and, and that, you know, the hard that she's experienced is a legit hard and yeah. to give her the grace to be able to move into seasons of healing as, as God leads her without right. worrying about what her mom's going to say about it. Right. Um, and, and Caitlin sat there and she goes, I, I can't relate at all. That's not my life at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know because I started in counseling when she was two. Mm. And, you know, Abby, Abby's life was also impacted. And, you know, I was in a car accident when I was pregnant with her. And so the development starts in utero. Mm-hmm. 9-11 happened when I was pregnant with her. Um, and there were, we, we had ma- uh, three other major life family events that were very traumatic yeah. in her when I was pregnant with her or in the first year of her life. And I'm like, oh, this impacts brain development. And, and those are things that we don't talk about in the evangelical church. We don't really talk about in our culture, unless you're interested in psychology, you don't pay attention to that. And yet the impact is there. And, and the good news is that healing is possible. Right. Well, and, and you've just shared that piece too, because like Caitlin's experience after your healing and the work that God's done in your life is evident. Yeah. And so there is, there's this beautiful hope that comes with it that, and, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be then their children's story. No. You know, because, because, oh, back what Deuteronomy exists, um, that to the, down to the third and fourth generation, like we can, we have the ability through God's grace to put a stop at those generations and to, instead of having it trickle down in a negative effect, have it trickle down in a positive effect Yeah. because now your kids have grown up in a Christian home. And even though like Abby, I mean, her growing up years might've had like these hiccups. The fact is, is that she's now still lived her teen years with a mom who has exhibited God's power and grace to change. And, and yeah, she'll go on her own journey and healing, but like what she will be able to take into her family and model to her children is just going to be one more step of a very redemptive story versus 
the flip side of continuing through a story of abuse. Yeah. Huh. That's heavy, but it's like, that's the hope. I mean, that's why I do what I do more to be is because the transformative work that God wants to do in us is, is so much far reaching than we understand. And I say it right. over and over again, you know, one changed woman can change an entire world really yeah. because if if what we do as individuals gives god the glory and brings about a testimony of his power then that can impact the next person who can impact the next person and you know it's it's a great pyramid <laughs> right you know people people give a hard time about pyramid things but in this case this is the kind of pyramid that we want where we want God's work to go out as far as possible. And that mm-hmm. work begins with us, which mm-hmm. is really where we started at the beginning of this season yep. with Proverbs 31 of who is it that God has called us to become as, as his daughters. And I think it, it, we're ending in an appropriate place of saying, okay, so how are you going to go forth and be that, that love is encapsulated in the cross that, that when Jesus died on the cross for, for us, it was because God's love was that profound. Oh, and, and then further, like you take that encapsulation and from verse John that it's in us then yeah. like we have this power and the ability to change the tide and just share that with somebody else. Yeah. And to be that living that out as, as, Jesus' hands and feet. And I think we take that for granted sometimes or we downplay that ability that we have. Yeah. Or we think yeah. it's maybe not as significant or, or you know, just taking the time to do something nice. Is that really going to make a difference? But well, I'm, we're all crying out to have that kind of love and affection and attention that somebody says you matter. You matter yeah. for exactly who you are. Yeah. It's good. Well, my sister, uh, we just did church. <laughs> Would you, are you up for praying? Can you handle yeah. the praying? <laughs> yes. All right. Dear Jesus, uh, we just come to you and we're so humbled by your love for us. We're so appreciative. And as we, talk today and just listening to like that definition of your agape agapo love um just let it soak in and sink into our hearts may we fully understand and embrace that you have called us your beloved and we're so grateful and so thankful for that and as we live into that as we absorb that more lord just continue to change and transform our hearts and may that shine out through us may we share that type of love with those around us because this this world is just crying out for that and may we be the change that you desire on this earth lord we just we long to see you we can't wait till you come again take us home um, we thank you for this time, and I just ask that you would be with each one of us, each one of our listeners, that that you would go with us and that you would continue to transform and mold us into the women that you want us to be. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, sister. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the More to Be podcast. 
We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.